Oh, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that music, folks, because it means it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. Uh, and it, because it's the Forums Edition, that means that I'm your host tonight, Jim Reed or Blusterini in the home games. And you can find out about me and all the other members of the Wrecking Crew by going to rec.poker slash crew. Um, but we can't do it alone. We need wonderful folks like Website Amp and the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino to help us keep the lights on here at Rec Poker. And we also need a panel of recreational poker playing wizards uh, that get to join that I get to join every week to talk poker strategy, and uh, we just have the time of our lives. So uh, Rec Poker Wizards, let me see who's going to lead us off this time. Is it uh, the one and only Keith Monkey System? Keith, tell the folks a bit about where they can find you. I'm Keith Brandt, and I'm Monkey System pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm Fergie56 in the home game and Pat Pat everywhere else. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50, just about anywhere you can find me. <laughs> and, and, and I'm Taylor Moss. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore Moss and in the Rec Poker home game as Gopherboy TJM. Now, we're actually looking at a post from Taylor this week. Just like every week, we're playing against each other in the nightly rec poker home game, trying to steal each other's chips and earn a shot at one of these coveted bronze pins. Um, and just like every week, we're going to take a post from the Rec Top Poker Forums and talk about it here on the show. So this one, as we said, is from our very own Taylor Moss. And the post name is Big Blind Defense, Very Favorable Runout for Our Range. So uh, as some of you might know, in fact, Taylor, why don't you take a second here and talk about this? So Taylor uh, is running our Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash rec poker. Um, he streams every Thursday night in the nightly home game and gives out prizes. He also streams various other times throughout the week. Uh, we've got some calendar events set up at rec.poker slash events if you want to check that out. And um there's all sorts of ways to get involved, to join and subscribe. The, we, can, we throw all sorts of prizes out throughout the month, so I encourage people to go check that out. Taylor, what do you enjoy most about streaming? And when it's not Thursday night, when do you tend to play? Uh, so play on Thursday nights. We play the home game on Thursday nights. Um, it, there's nothing special about the home games on Thursday nights, but it's just the night that we do it. It's Twitch Thursday. So um, I would say about 90% of the Thursdays I'm actually able to make it, maybe 95%, but uh, it's fun. You know, we just hang out. We got the people watching the hands go down. We're kind of seeing how other people that are in the, the chat of the stream are doing and uh, keeping track of that. But um, we play those Thursday nights. We also try and play the Player of the Year series the first Wednesday of the month. Uh, we play the Mixed Game series, which is the second Wednesday of the month. Uh, if I'm fortunate enough to make the Tournament of Champions, which I believe is the second Monday. Uh, there it is. I got it. Um, uh, we stream that as well. And then if there's anything other, anything else kind of cool going on, uh, I'll try and stream that. But easy way to find out about that, follow me on Twitter at Taylor underscore Moss or join our discord. I'll post about it um, when I go live on Twitch. So two easy ways of finding out about that. But where this hand came from, not from the home game itself, but instead from some of the tournaments I was playing on the side. So I'll, I'll play some ACR tournaments or potentially ignition on the side. And this was one of the hands that I played. Um, so it was kind of one of those big blind defense spots. And we kind of get into our 
you know, that middle value type of spot. Are we good? Are we not? Um, I don't know if you want to walk through it. I can walk through it. Um, I'll yeah, take us, take us right through it, Taylor. Okay. So um, I don't know the exact stage of the tournament, but we're pretty deep. Uh, both effective stack sizes in this uh, hand are 50 big blinds deep. So our opponent is in middle position with 55 big blinds. Uh, they opened a 2.2 big blinds. Uh, everyone else folds and we're in the big blind with 54 uh, big blinds. And we have ace four suited, uh, specifically ace four of clubs. Now, just um, before we get any further, um, 2.2, do you have any, do you, do you recall, was it like a standard sizing for this player? Um, when, when they got more than 50 big blinds, uh, I, I don't know. I, I tend to wait till I get a little lower to slime, slip down to 2.2. So I don't know if that's telling at all in this case. I don't think it's too telling. I, I just read this as pretty standard, uh, just kind of a, a normal open. Uh, you get a bunch of different people online. Some will go two and a half, some will go three. Some crazy people go to four, four and a half. Uh, but the standard, I would say, is probably around this 2.2 or just two. Uh, so I, I think either one's just kind of read as just a normal open from our opponent. Um, but... So the stage of the tournament, it looks like I do say we are getting close to the money. So we're not on the bubble, uh, but we're, when I say something like that, I would say something like 100 pay and we're probably like at 175 left or something like that. So we have a good stack. Um, we have a pretty speculative hand. I mean, we could turn this into a bluff three bet, but I think just the stage of the tournament, I decide uh, I'm not going to three bet with this. Uh, so I'm just going to call... Other person has a big stack. We'll just see how it plays out from here. So heads up, there's 5.8 in the middle. We get a flop of queen of diamonds, four of hearts, five of hearts. Um, so I think this is a pretty decent flop for us. Uh, there's one Broadway type of card, uh, just the queen. Uh, potential that they hit top pair, but we hit a pair. We hit bottom pair. We don't have any club draw, uh, so our flush potential goes out the window. We do have a potential for a backdoor straight, which we shouldn't get too attached to, but really what we have is bottom pair with the potential of kind of hitting an ace uh, to give us a good two-pair hand that our opponent may think their top pair is now good. Um, so pretty standard spot, I think, to just check and see what our opponent does, and our opponent fires out a, a small bet. And they go with 1.75 big blinds. So it's actually, it's a down bet. Um, <clears throat> it's a smaller bet than the original open, which is very popular. You can do well in these, all of these small pots. You can use small bets to leverage the same kind of uh, effect as you would from a bigger one. So that also seems pretty standard, I, I would say. Um, as Taylor's described the hand so far, does anyone want to talk about alternatives to the action? reasons to three bet pre-flop or is anyone tempted to lead here i always like to just examine these options um, to see if there's something that we're not thinking about i like the play as called so here we go so yeah. we do we do check get the small bet and then um, we're faced with the option of uh, folding calling or raising and what what do people like there I think I'd, I'd just definitely just call here. Um, I think we're, we want to try to realize any equity we have right now. Um, if we 
check rays and then they do something silly like go over the top of us or even if they call us we're all we're doing is inflating a pot with bottom pair so i think at this point in time we want to we just want to call and just kind of maintain our our equity share yeah it reminds me of a hand we did um a couple of weeks ago with uh keith monkey system um where we were talking about um where it was maybe even a good spot for a check raise, but that our particular hand just played better as a call. It feels to me like it's that same kind of spot there. It just feels like we've got enough equity to call here. And I, I kind of like, um, I don't want to turn this, I don't want to bloat this pot or turn this into a, uh, um, a hand where we get multiple streets of betting in with a hand like a pair of fours here. So I like that too. I just did a seminar on check raising from the big blind. And I think that, uh, if we had uh, a smaller four, like a four, six, mm. four, three, uh, four, seven, those are the kind of fours we would want to check raise here. But when we have four ace, we don't need to check raise because now if an ace hits the turn, our opponent often will fire and we have a well-disguised two pair here. So Kim, so, for, for, for those of us- We don't need protection as much. Yeah. So I want to ask about that a little. So the other thing that the four, six or the four, seven have in common is they have some draw equity to the straight here. Does that factor into choosing them as a check raise or is it purely because yeah. it's just not as good? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of turns that will help us and allow us to fire again or continue with the story on a turn. There's a lot of those middling cards that are, that help us out with those kind of hands and also it doesn't need, it needs more protection than ACE4 does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to add to Kim's point, a huge portion of that too helps out with the fact that our ACE is really bad for reverse implied odds for our opponent. Uh, a lot of their like small continues here are like ACE-King, ACE-Jack, ACE-10, those types of things, where if the turn comes out ACE, boom, reverse implied odds, uh, just crushing them, where if we hit a three or a seven or whatever, uh, they're unlikely to just want to get chips in the middle. Uh, so that factor like really helps us out. It's kind of like the reverse pipping uh, where we get two pair and they get top pair. Nice. So uh, we do call and the <clears throat> turn comes the seven of clubs. So there's 9.4 big blinds in the pot. The flop, the board is queen of diamonds, four of hearts, five of hearts, seven of clubs. Uh, so again, we're in this position. Uh, we've talked on this show quite a bit about the virtues of checking versus leading in this spot. Um, who, who likes a check and who likes a lead and why? I know Taylor likes a check, Rob. Oh, I know I like I'd like a check definitely. It's uh, staying with the flow. It's kind of like game flow. Uh, we want to see what they what they do. This card probably didn't help them at all. A lot of a lot of people will take a stab on the flop, and then they'll check back on the turn if they don't improve. So this is an opportunity to see where we're at with them. Um, if we get a bet, then we can kind of reevaluate but at this time i think a check is definitely a way to go i agree i like a check here as well 
I don't think the lead is crazy, but yeah, I, I do prefer the check. I mean, the lead can be enticing because the seven works out way better for us. I mean, mm-hmm. they do have some seven eights and stuff like that in their range um, or six sevens and stuff like that, but it, it's a small portion. So much of their continuing continuation bets, I think on the flop are just big cards and really either a queen or just two overs type of uh, types of ranges. So I, I went for a check here just cause it was kind of like, I'm just going to board keeps running out. I'm just going to keep calling down and uh, hopefully catch you bluffing. And, and we see um, a betting sizing uh, change here. They made a down bet on the flop, I think, which was uh, smaller than their original open. And uh, here they go about a two thirds pot bet, which is, typical like like i think i always tell people it makes a lot of sense to do that small flop bet follow it up with a bigger um turn bet for a number of reasons a the people that don't raise your small flop bet are kind of capping their range a little bit so you're going to get a lot of folds from that larger sizing on the turn and then you win a bigger pot which is great um but it also means that you have a chance to get some value in if you want um with that bigger bet on the turn so i don't think I don't think we can learn too much from the sizing of the uh, of the larger turn bet because it's still kind of in that in that cliche that stereotype mode. When I would say, oh, sorry, no, no, please, I was yeah. going to say, I was going to say resizing here. This, if this is a knowledgeable player, and I don't know what sort of field you were playing against, but this is obviously a better card for the big blinds range. Mm-hmm. The big blind has now has most of the smaller two pair combos five four five seven you know um and an, an, a player that bets big like this will know that and so this to me means that it's more likely they have value here when they bet large than just sort of saying small bet large bet yes yeah, because yeah. the 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 runout definitely favors the player in the blinds for sure. We're looking at queen seven five four um, two hearts. So, what if you don't think the the player is all that great? How then would you read the situation? Because <laughs> that's a real question, right? We have to be thinking about that. Well, if they bet half pot, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You just give them the fish tag. <laughs> if they're not that great then we're mostly playing our hand against their range because they're not going right. to see what our range is great point keith great point and just for for listeners at home i want to just reinforce this notion that keith just brought up which is sometimes if they're savvy if you're playing against savvy players you got to think about playing your range versus their range because they're thinking about your range if they're not savvy players or if they're less experienced players don't play your range. Just play your hand against their range because you're not benefiting from the playing your entire range because they're they're not thinking about it. So you don't need to balance. You should just play in a way that suits your exact hand. So Taylor, do you recall if you were in a spot here where you felt like you were playing range versus range or you were better off playing your hand versus their range? Uh, most situations and most tournaments I play, I'm assuming the player skill is below average. Um, I'm not thinking this is a really strong player. I'm thinking, Hey, this person is, you know, just betting at me. So how I read this is 
they bet small, so they they kind of know what they're doing, but they're also potentially just kind of stuck in this autopilot mode of I see bet small, I see bet big, and I take it down. Um, so I think that's a definite possibility, which then is kind of just eating away at me to try and calm down and bluff catch. And do you have any stats on the poker tracker for them at this point? Are they, uh, do you have any valuable stats that would say if they, they, bet usually, the, they continuation bet the turn? I don't think I would have had enough hands versus player. Right. I'm going to just okay. assume that I don't. Uh, if I would have had that, it would have been a valuable piece that I probably would have put in there, but I, I didn't have anything good. Okay. So we're facing this uh, 6.2 big blind bet into a 9.4 big blind uh, pot. We've still got plenty behind. Um, if we did want to check raise here, what are some good candidates to use for it? I always want to just think about some of the counter uh, situations that we could be in. Um, the flops, queen of diamonds, seven of clubs, four of hearts, five of hearts. So I, a lot of the hands I'd want to be check raising with might involve, say, the six of hearts or uh, something like that. What, what might you well, folks out Let's talk mind? about value hands and, and bluffs, okay. right? Yep. So we're going to want to uh, check raise all our two pair hands and we're going to want to check raise our sets here. And that'll be tricky given that we check called the flop too. So we have to be thoughtful about um, the, the hands that we would not have check raised the flop to, which is tricky. I think, I think a lot of people with a, a flop set might check call the flop, hoping to get into a situation where you can check raise the turn where the bets get bigger mm -hmm. and they're more likely to have a, a hand that they can call with. So like a pair of fours or fives or something that's just just doesn't want to see a heart, but is just going to play differently when the heart doesn't come <laughs> like that makes you're allowed to do that, too. Right. Right. Yeah. And another thing to consider is just the sizing, too. Right. Like it what makes the flop check raise enticing is they use a small size. Like yeah, it's, it's cheap to, to check raise here um, on the turn. Now, it's six point two. To check raise we're gonna have to go 15 to more than 15. Uh, that's a pretty big bet especially when we're late in a tournament we've got a good chip stack already all those other things uh and you know what hands would do you really want to do that with so we got to consider that like they're betting big like do we want to just if we do have a value hand like i said just keep giving them rope like if we do have a set they're kind of doing exactly what we want them to do Mm -hmm. yeah it's that spot we talked about in an earlier episode as well where even though there's a good spot for a check raise here um i'm not sure we're at the point in our range that that makes the most sense for it we don't we don't really have now that the turn has come the seven of clubs uh we read all there are no really good rivers for us that aren't an ace or a four um so it's not the kind of spot this would be a one and done uh if we were to do it with our with our hand i'm not saying that we should it would just be a one and done spot to attack a weak range and as taylor says when they choose that sizing i don't think there's any reason for us to think that it is uh that weak so then so then is this a fold should this just be a fold then like if we think they're that strong and we have so few redraws um yeah talk me out of a fold taylor because i i we're we're ba are we, do you, 
are we, hmm, what am I trying to ask here? How often do we need to improve to be good here? Yeah, and it kind of gets to the the classic situation, right? Like, hey, I think I might be good here, nice. but there's still another street to come. We're going to be out of position. There's a lot of draws that are potentially out there. Like, how how do we react to this spot? Like, if you asked me, I would say, I think there's a decent chance we're good. Uh, call it 40 to 50 to maybe yeah, 40 to 50% chance that we're good here. Uh, and our opponent is just over sea betting the turn and we're just going to find him in a spot. But the thing is like, if that's true, say they're over betting with King Jack, like there's Kings and Jacks left in the deck and there's still a card to come. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Like how do we approach all these different situations? So uh, I ultimately find a call just because I'm kind of like, what is their range in this spot uh like what are they really representing and are so happy trying to get money in with um i don't know if like ace queen bets this but that may be like one of the few hands everything else that they have uh maybe kings and aces we block aces uh so i was just kind of like this was kind of one of those like gut feel spots where i was just like you know what my my gut is telling me right now that I think this guy is making a play. So I'm going to find a call and hopefully on the river, um, I get some sort of easy decision. They check back with the King Jack after they miss or they miss their heart draw or whatever it is. Yeah. It's one of the nice things about having that bottom pair is that, you know, you, you are beating a lot of the, the um, hands that he could have that he might be playing this way. So um, and that, definitely you're going to assume that seven didn't probably help him at all if he's holding exactly, those types yeah. of hands that's that right. seven is a, just a blank for them and like if, taylor said in his post that this is better for his range than it is for the sea betters range yeah like what what's the nuts right now it's you know six eight three six um those are hands in our range not in the opponent's mm -hmm. range mm -hmm. um so what are they so happy with trying to get in granted that's a small portion of the range uh, they could still have sets and stuff like that. But um, I just kind of looked at this, like really on this, this card, you're doing this. If, if it's, you know, Jack, uh, King, Ace, I guess maybe not an Ace, like anything else a little bit higher, I'm kind of more prone to fold. But with a seven, I was just kind of a little bit skeptical of what he was actually betting with here. So uh, we do call and uh, we get to the river with 21.7 big blinds in the pot and the river comes the three of clubs which is another good card for our range um, doesn't really improve our hand as taylor points out in the post here and i'll just leave it with his with his parting questions in the post uh, what do we do here lead check call check fold uh, what does rec poker nation think and it's, it's just typical of these spots that we get in and I find this all the time when I'm, I'm defending the big blind with a bad ace and, you know, suited or not suited. I get in this spot all the time where I get to the river. I've got one pair. It's not a very good pair. Um, but I, you know, can't just keep folding all these ace hands. And uh, sometimes I feel like I kind of like owe it to defend or to, to, to get this to showdown or to call a bet or something just because where I am in my own distribution. What, what are, what, what are you getting thinking 
in, in a spot like this? Well, I, I prob personally probably would have folded the turn, but as played, if I'm going to check call the turn, I'm going to check call a small bet here and check fold to a large bet. Because if I was good on the flop and I was good on the turn, I'm obviously still good on the river, except to exactly pocket sixes. So um, I, I would just depend on what the sizing would be here for me. Would a would a reversal here a lead be so bad? Yeah, good question. So we it be is kind of a board changing card because now any I mean we got probably more sixes than he has. So it's a bluff. It's it's to get a better hand to fold, Keith. Is that the theory? Um, yes. Yeah, because I don't think we're getting called by a worse hand if we lead here. So it would be we'd be deciding that. Uh, we could get a better hand to fold. So that would be turning, why. That would be why I would choose to lead here. Would be to get a better hand to fold. I'm not sure so it's a good idea. Turning our one pair hand into a bluff. Yeah. yeah. So with a yeah. with a small bet that kind of blocks and controls the pot. And one of one of the things here is is our position in the tournament. We don't want to turn this into a big pot. It, well, I ask you, Keith, if we did have the six, would we be making a small bet here? <laughs> probably wouldn't be making a small lead here right if we had the six if yeah. we had the six right and if we had two pair already we're probably check calling to let him mm -hmm. let him bet like, his queen again or it feels like we want our opponent to fold a seven if we lead here that's really i don't think they're folding a queen unless we lead really big and I don't think we want to do that. I, that seems to me like I don't think they're folding two pairs. So they made that big turn bet when the seven came. I think if we're leading, the only reason I would lead here would be because I wanted someone to fold a seven. I thought I could get them to fold a seven. And, and I think that that play might be plus EV. I'm not going to do the math live on the show, but. Um, it's probably as a whole, it's probably not as EV as the check line because of the way that all the rest of his range that doesn't have a seven performs. That would be my gut. What about eights, nines, tens? Are you trying to oh, get the pockets? Them yeah, good question. Yeah. Good question. Do they bet that big on the turn after the well, after like the C bet? Taylor's saying he's he doesn't. Think that they're oh, yeah, right. that savvy necessarily. Yeah, oh, if they're not savvy, then don't try and make them fold a pair. Yeah. <laughs> don't try and make them fold a pair. You can't have it both ways, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I guess I'm leaning. I'm leaning player. check. I'm leaning check as a. I think it's a check all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Good question, though. I love exploring that that space. So. That's all we. That's all we find out. Um, uh, Taylor didn't put the rest of the information in the hand, uh, so we're just stuck with this sort of um, purgatory. Um, classic Taylor, huh? Classic Taylor's leaving us Ooh. hanging. Why we would I do ask, that? How about? Couldn't we ask Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> how about we? Let's hear get from him on John the phone. Oh, from that's John a great. And little, and you know uh, what? That's a great idea, Taylor. Let's see what you guys wait a little bit more. Let's see. You ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? Yeah, why didn't you? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? <laughs> what do you do with ace king when you miss the flop? 
Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. That does sound like a lot of quizzes. And who knows how many there are now, because he must have recorded that for us several months ago. So I'd be surprised if you head over to rec. or no pokercoaching.com slash poker and check that out right now. He knows what he's doing. So thanks for the segue, uh, Taylor. That's exactly what we okay. should be thinking about here, how I'll, to get better. I won't uh, keep you waiting any longer then. Uh, so, I mean, the people that were watching the stream, because this all played out on stream, uh, would have seen what I did here. And I... I took a, a line that uh, was something I normally wouldn't do, but something that I decided to do just because of this run out. Uh, I think normal situations, I do exactly what Kim described right away. Check, call a small bet, and then if it's a big bet, uh, I'm probably going to end up folding. But like in the moment, like I saw it, I'm like, I don't want a flush draw to bluff me off my hand. And this run out is so good for my range. How can I like take advantage of that? So I turned my hand into a bluff. I took the lead and I didn't go small. I bet over pot uh, on the river here. I was essentially targeting queens, nines, tens, jacks, all those types of hands to fold. Uh, Cause I think that is one heck of a tough call for them to make when it four to a straight, only a six, uh, gives me a straight. So I decided to turn my hand into a bluff. I bet, I think 23, 24 big blinds, something like that. And my opponent snap folded. Mm. Uh, so it, it worked out in the moment, but like, who knows, you know, maybe they had, you know, an ace high flush draw or something and kept betting at this, uh, where we were ahead the whole time. We didn't necessarily need to, but I, I just, uh, didn't want that specific type of hand to be able to bluff me off my hand um and i turned mine into a bluff yeah i think that's the kind of sizing that's going to get those folds right from those hands like we were talking about a pair of sevens or eight nines tens jacks um and i think yeah probably even a queen honestly you've got a ton of two pair there and stuff when you uh when you complete with the blind so i think i think that's i think that's right um, i don't think a queen's gonna snap fold though i think they're gonna right. sit and think about it for a minute so yeah I mean, you know, is this a is this a opponent that would know enough to bluff into you with a big bet rather than just a small bet? So Yeah, and, and that that's definitely part of it too. Like what what would they have done on the river? And I kind of ultimately decided like I don't want to find out. I'm gonna <laughs> this is this is now my my time. Uh so I mean we we had big stacks. So I mean we started with 54. I didn't bet all in. I essentially bet half of my stack as an yeah. orbit here. Um had I gotten raised it would have been a oh man what did I get myself into in the hold? <laughs> but I don't think they can raise much here. I, I think it's almost impossible for them to to find a raise. So um I thought Let's go for as much fold equity as possible. And I mean, I had been reading stuff about, you know, when you're on the river, you have these situations. We have the nuts in our range. How much can we bet? And it's usually like you can bet a lot, uh, especially with your bluffs. So I kind of took that route. 
So can nice. we talk? Can we talk just a little? A couple of weeks ago, we did an episode um, with Keith where he ended up shoving the river in a similar spot where um, he's out of position. He felt like his opponent um, was maybe in a bluffy part of their range, and he did it like an overbet shove. And the the analysis was that given the strength of his hand and the range of the opponent, and I guess there was some ICM considerations there as well that we felt like a blocker bet maybe full to a raise was a better play. Here, it sounds like we're saying a blocker bet is also a, a good play, but the, the scenario is different enough that the shove sort of makes more sense here. It, it, am I outlining it correctly? Is it, is it the ICM? What else makes it different here, Taylor? One, ICM is huge, uh, yeah. but take ICM out of the equation for both hands. Um, you're in a spot where like, what is the nuts in the hand? Uh, the nuts in this hand, there's no potential for a flush. There's no paired board. So there's no potential for a full house. The nuts is the straight, the actual nuts is the six, eight to give you, you know, a slightly higher, uh, straight than just the six does. But the effective nuts is just any six that you have here. Uh, and then how does each of those ranges, like big blind has a, bigger chunk of sixes and the opening ranges really doesn't. So uh, that is a huge thing that changes it in Keith's hand. And the other time the nut hand, I believe was the nut flush, Yeah, which opener has a ton of those nut flushes and it, it kind of doesn't work in the same way because now you can't represent the actual nuts uh, in this spot. And I think that's what uh, kind of, you know, allowed me to, I'm going to steal the phrase from him, release the Kraken in this spot. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to find a, a better note than that, uh, releasing the Kraken. It, um, yeah, Taylor. I will, I will uh, say I ran this through um, a Pile Solver because I was interested to see what it had. And it liked me folding my ace four about 75% of the time on the turn. Uh, it did use it as, as, you know, some of the bluff catchers. When Pyle runs those things, it wants to keep some of those hands in there uh, to allow for turn cards. So like if another four comes out, it wants you to have some fours in your range. So it was kind of using that in that aspect. Um, but then on the river, it if I remember correctly, it took a really weird route where it was like, almost all of my range just wanted to check call with the route that we took given the exact run out, which I thought was strange. I thought it was going to want us to unleash the Kraken uh, because we have more sixes in the range, but uh, really it wanted us to just bluff catch. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Probably because of the flop having two suits, you know, the guy might have been just semi bluffing with a couple of hearts and then it, he missed it. Yeah, yeah that's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's always curious to see the assumptions that, you know, when you put it in solvers, they're not, they're playing against, they're, they're making assumptions about players that we shouldn't be making in the games that we're playing here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the real question is, how are the players in our games deviating from this? And, and how can we exploit that? You know, how can we take advantage of them um, on that front? So uh, I tell people all the time, uh, thanks for listening, but you really got to go to rec.poker and get a free account. Um, there's a bunch of uh, 
we talk about the forum post here on the air, but usually people put a lot more detail into the forum post. You can look it up, they'll upload ranges or PDFs of uh, different parts of their range. So if you're a visual learner, you can see what's going on in there. We got a great response to this post uh, by Sir Gas Leak, uh, one of our newer members who's been putting a few excellent forum posts in there. Um, he also thinks he's folding on the turn. Sir Gaslink plays it as a uh, turn fold, but does kind of like this idea of going for it on the river uh, because the the range uh, the ranges are set up the way they are. So I like that. Thank you, Gasleak, Mr. Gasleak, for sharing that. And uh, I guess I just want to thank Rob Washam, Kim Kilroy, Keith Brandt, and Taylor Moss uh, for joining me this week. And of course, Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And Steve Fredlin, thanks for joining us, everyone. See you again soon.